Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. Well, it was a marathon of auctions over the past two weeks in New York City. First, we had the Paul Allen Estate, which raised about $1.5 billion on its own. And then on top of that, we had the regular November auctions at Christie's, Sotheby's, Phillips, and all the other auction houses. It was an extraordinary amount of art sold. And while the Allen Estate performed incredibly well, I did witness some softening in the market at auction for maybe the first time since COVID, to be honest. We break all of this down on this week's episode of the podcast as we're joined by Daniel Cassidy, art business reporter for Art News. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for downloading and listening. Thanks so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to be here, Adam. Thanks. Absolutely. So there was so much art sold over the last couple of weeks at auction in New York. I think with that much art, it can be a little bit difficult to digest exactly what's going on. And if we take a macro view of things, what is the state of the market coming out of something like this? So overall, how would you say the sales performed? Well, that question, the answer has multiple parts, right? The week really kicked off with uh, the Paul Allen sale at Christie's, which was a behemoth, right? It sold $1.5 billion with fees. That's more than any previous auction. Um, I mean, the estimate was $1.3 billion, and, and it, you have to think uh, of the millions of dollars that it needed to, to do better than that to reach $1.5 um prior to that i guess was maclo collection together those two sales made 922 million and before that i guess the total was the rockefeller collection at christie's 835 million so this is far and away by orders of magnitude a, a bigger sale um and the interesting thing is it hit a billion about halfway through so it was just the way people were spending on art uh, really, we thought it set the tone for the, uh, for the week, but it didn't actually turn out to be that way. Um, during the sale, the Allen sale, I spoke to a collector as he was leaving. And uh, what I kept repeating in my head after that conversation was when he told me that there was no sign of recession in that room. Now that statement was not reflected throughout the rest of the sales. Um, Christie's also closed out the auction week with a $421 million sale, their 20th and 21st century auctions. Um, that had quite a few really wonderful pieces, but some surprises as well. Phillips did one, let's see, 115 million during their uh, contemporary sale and Sotheby's did about 314. Now the difference between the Allen sale and the sales at Phillips and Sotheby's and even the 2021 sale at Christie's um, at those sales, everything seemed a lot flatter. There was a wonderful sell through rate between 89 and 93, 95 um, by lot at all the sales, but they all sold at or 
around the low estimate. So the really the temperature that the Allen sale gave us wasn't reflected throughout the rest of the week. I think that's a great assessment of what transpired. And I came away with a similar takeaway. The Allen sale had such special works that they'll sell very well regardless of market conditions. But without a special collection like that, perhaps more aggressive estimates, not as high quality material, we saw mixed results and certain lots selling on one or two bids where the new normal of the past few years had been lots rocketing past their estimates. If we dig in a little bit, it's interesting. We've seen this kind of divide or bifurcation in the market where certain collectors and people in the trade are focused on more established artists, at least at auction, while others are more interested in the younger emerging artists. If we look at these two sets of groups, do you think they perform similarly to how they've been doing in the recent past, or did you notice some softening like you described in one or maybe both of these categories? The pattern to me stayed pretty true to how it's been, how the market has been in the last few years. You know, this you speak of a bifurcation. Um, I think that split really has to do with what kind of collector you are, right? There, there are people that kind of crave this 20th century, 20th century masterworks um, who want like museum quality stuff. And there are people who kind of go after the younger artists. Uh, but really for a lot of them, uh, for a lot of the younger artists, it's a matter of speculation. Granted, there are people that buy them because it's love at first sight, which you find much more often with the collectors who specialize in 20th century stuff. Um, but it seemed, and, and of course, I want to make it clear that there are, um, there is foldover or there is crossover in that market. There are people that buy, you know, 20th century collectors that buy more contemporary stuff, which is one of the reasons Christie's and Sotheby's kind of developed this new, newish rather, it's about three years old, um, way to market their art by doing you know, double header sales on the same evening. That way you're giving buyers the chance to kind of broaden their collection by looking at things and considering uh, pictures that maybe they wouldn't have when the sales were split up. Um, as for the younger artists, you know, I really do feel like there's some degree of speculation there, whether or not a collector intends to flip it the truth is that the artists, however good they are, and I, I really love quite a few of them, Salman Tour especially, but they're it's so young in their career. You you either have to be desperately in love with it, or you think that it, the price is going to continue going up, because that's what's happened. Um, you know, you can't find many of these new chip artists on the primary market anymore. So the only way a collector can get them is at auction. And that's often when, you know, a scrum breaks out both at Christie's and at Sotheby's. Um, the more contemporary works had more of a fervor of bidding. Things were more exciting. Um, whereas for the 20th century masterworks in both cases, it was a lot more measured. Um, collectors were taking their time 
and really only bidding on things that they want. You know, it makes you think, you know, will Salmon Tour or Anna Wayant be as desirable in five years or 10 years? Will they be treated like a Richter or Warhol, you know, when my son hopefully can make enough money to collect art? Uh, the art advisor, Lisa Schiff, um, wrote a great op-ed last summer. I forget where I read it, but it's about how value is judged in the market. Um, it used to be, or at a time, the monetary value of a painting was decided by this consortium, you know, of curators and artists, collectors, critics, art historians, you know, museum directors, as opposed to today, it seems that profit is really more popularity-based. I think she called it a fan-based economy. And I wonder how sustainable that is. I mean, you're putting these younger artists under a lot of pressure. Where where do you go when at auction you're you're beating out, you know, a million dollars and you've only a million dollars a piece? Um, and you've only been painting for, you know, three years out of school. It's a great point. I think a lot of people are thinking about the sustainability of these high prices being achieved for these younger artists at auction. As you said, we did see some softening, maybe the first time at auction in a couple of years. From speaking with insiders, were there any overarching reasons why we witnessed this now? And were market participants surprised or was this expected? Um, I think there was a mix of both. A lot of people felt that the pricing was a bit aggressive. The reserves were a bit aggressive. Even the low estimates were on the higher side. Um, one buyer after the 20th century Christie's sale um, described the problem as summer pricing, <laughs> as if the market was exactly the way it was earlier this year or even last year. I mean, interestingly, the most of the sales, Sotheby's and Phillips, I know for certain, beat the prices, beat the auction, beat the totals rather from last year's equivalent sale, but only just. Um, I heard multiple people, you know, whisper among themselves or tell me flat out that this these set this set of auctions was priced as if nothing had changed in the world from last year or the year before to this year um i think it was expected to a degree because and that's why you saw collectors being more reserved or i mean i guess another way to put it is more focused they bid on exactly what they wanted to, and they had a specific price that they would only bid up to, and that was that. There was a lot less passion in the room than there had been in previous years, um, which left the rooms a little more flat, a little less dynamic. Um, I believe in the press, uh, in the presser after the Phillips auction, and uh, the House's president said, 
we all know that the market is less frothy, which I thought was a really nice description. So I want to get into some of the specific artworks that were sold during these auctions that we've been discussing. What were a few of the noteworthy highlights or surprises for you this auction season? Well, one of the biggest surprises is uh, this de Kooning painting. I believe it was Untitled 3 uh, in the Christie's 20th Century sale, which, I mean, it's a really wonderful work. It looks exactly what a de Kooning would look like when you close your eyes and imagine, you know, one of his pictures from the late 70s. I believe it had an estimate of around 35 million and it didn't sell, which I mean, I was in the room and you could hear there were a couple gasps. One person went, oh my, oh my Lord, after the auctioneer, you know, said pass. Um, but that goes to, it actually goes to a point that I mentioned earlier, you know, the the collectors that specialize or seek out you know, 20th century masterworks in this market won't buy just anything. Um, it has to be museum quality work without a doubt. Uh, I spoke to one uh, collector during that sale who said, I, I mean, I asked him, excuse me, <clears throat> I asked him why he thought the de Kooning didn't sell. And he told me it was a wonderful picture, very beautiful, but relative to the best de Koonings that exist, it was an A minus. Then he took out his phone and started showing me pictures of, of de Koonings in museums. He pointed out how the colors didn't blend as much in a in an A plus de Kooning, whereas in this you know, it was a little fuzzy around the around the edges um, when colors met on the canvas. Um, so I asked him. You said, you know, those top decoonings are an A plus. What, what was this? And he said, oh, I would give it an A minus. It's definitely not a bad painting, but the difference between an A minus and an A plus painting at that level is twenty million, thirty even 50. So there was a, the collectors looking at stuff, looking at pictures at that level were just a lot more measured and very careful with how they spent their money. And I think that says a lot about where the market might be going. People are being a lot more cautious than they were last year. Um, Something that I thought was fantastic was at the Phillips sale, towards the end, there was an Ernie Barnes painting um, called Slam Before the Storm. It's this group of guys playing basketball. It has that, you know, very classic Ernie Barnes, like elongated limb. Uh, and this guy's going up to dunk a ball. In the background is this kind of swirling brownish, grayish uh, storm that looks like it's coming toward the basketball court and the players don't seem to notice they're too enveloped in the game. Um, I think this is one of his first, if not his first uh, pictures in an evening sale. Um, and it was estimated at 
on the low end, 300,000. Uh, the high end was 400,000. And it hammered at 480, which is about 604K with fees. Um, so that's a that's a really big win for an artist that I that I'm really happy to see uh, getting that kind of recognition. And to make it even cooler, uh, that work was consigned by Richard Roundtree, who played Shaft in the movie Shaft. They used to be neighbors, I'm told. Um, the Warhol at Sotheby's was fantastic. It's uh, just a massive massive picture that forced your eye to move across the canvas in the most wonderful way. And uh, I'm a big fan of Cezanne always. The Cezanne in the Allen sale of uh, Mount St. Victoire was unbelievable. And notably, that Cezanne was one of five works from the Allen sale that sold for prices at or above $100 million. I think it was... The Cezanne, a Surat, a Van Gogh, a Gauguin, and if I'm not mistaken, a Klimt, all sold for sold for over a hundred million, which I don't know. It's hard to fathom numbers like that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible prices. So as we look ahead to Basel, Miami, and I, I guess next week. I can't believe it's next week. We have Thanksgiving before that, but just I mean, a week it's around away. the corner. Yeah, it's it's just a few days away. And then we have the new year, 2023. So as we look ahead, how do you think people are feeling about the market right now? Things are looking positive for the market. I, I'm certain that things will go well in Miami. Uh, but the truth is that quite a few galleries kind of load up their booths with work that's already been sold in a very similar way to the auction houses loading up these evening sales with guarantees, which multiple... Uh, specialists from different houses told me is a trend that won't go away anytime soon. Um, I am wondering, I'm curious about how the galleries will handle the sheer amount. There was a, excuse me, the amount of work that was sold um, over this season was really incredible. More, there's been more art, for sale over the last week than probably the last few years combined. Um, so I'm wondering if that'll affect the gallery mentality over there, but Miami's really about the atmosphere, you know, you can't slam a Cuba Libre and smoke a cigarette at Christie's, um, but you can do that almost everywhere in Miami, you know? Um, and the, I guess, a collector, let's see, another collector told me that every sale can't be an Allen sale, which is 100% true. But I would put my money on the fact that if not next year, the year after, you know, there's going to be more of these single owner sales coming down on the pike. You know, they're they're almost racing toward us already. And those are the sales that seem to be really moving things because you're you're paying for provenance as much as you're paying for the picture and you know time stops for no one so surely there'll be estates up sometime soon i think a change is going to come in the market for sure the real question is the speed 
and the intensity at which the market will change. And I think Miami might be a really good barometer for how quickly that's going to happen. Well, Daniel, thanks so much again for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate you helping us recap this last month's major auctions in New York, as well as providing your insights on where the market stands moving forward. If our listeners don't already, they should definitely check out Daniel's articles and art news. And you're also on social media, writing about the art market and the art world often. Where can we find you there? Um, at Daniel Cassidy is my Twitter handle, and that's where I'll post pretty much uh, pretty much everything I write and things that my colleagues write as well. Perfect. Thanks so much again, Daniel. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me.